It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman. As always, I'm the host of this wonderful show. Join me on the other line for our weekly show because once again, it is Monday morning of another week, Mr. Tony East. And Tony, I think we're going to start this podcast, obviously, talking about the biggest news in the basketball world, and that was the uh, passing of Kobe Bean Bryant. Um, I know you had a couple of things you wanted to say. I just wanted to say real quick, um, if you want a kind of more local take, you guys can listen to Locked On Lakers. Yes. A couple other um, – Is it what's it called? Uh, what's the podcast with Hollinger? Projecting the Screen. Go check that podcast. Both of them have done kind of tributes to him. Um, certainly Tony and I are not like super experts on the Lakers, but certainly we both watch a lot of Kobe over lifetime I'm sure many of you guys have too um I just want to say first thing is that for me Kobe was probably the um defining player of when I first got in the NBA right so I was probably first got in the NBA probably oh two oh three range and kind of growing up as a fan he was the best player from that range from that time in 2010 basically he was the best player in the league maybe at times you could say other guys were the quote-unquote best player like Duncan or LeBron but Kobe was definitely the most dominant most dominating personality player in um it's just like, I remember when he retired, I thought it kind of was the end of an era for me in, in the NBA. And it's just like really, really awful to see it's been a rough day. It's terrible. Uh, he was, of course, like you said, an incredible, iconic player. You know, I mean, there's there's a reason we yell out that guy's name when we throw oh, stuff yeah. into the trash. Every time, every time. I still do it. I've done it plenty of times. I did it probably in the last couple of days when I was. I'll probably do it until time. I'm dying myself. I mean, it, it, you know, he was such an icon for the NBA and he was on the only team that the Pacers played in the finals. Uh, if you have League Pass, you can see on League Pass Historic, they have game six of Pacers-Lakers on there. Uh, Nick Gangstead was kind enough to, to share some, some moments from that game on Twitter today. I saw um, right before halftime of game six, you know, the, the Lakers clinching the series. Uh, the Pacers are actually up six. Uh, halftime's right around the corner. Uh, the announcer says something like, hey, it'd be huge for the Lakers if uh, – they could get some points here before halftime and gain some momentum. And before the sentence is even fully out of his mouth, Kobe just swishes a three right in the Pacers' face. That was just the kind of guy he was. Clutch shots in huge moments uh, against any team, including the Pacers. And um, He was just an incredible player. Yeah, I mean, he, he killed the Pacers that entire series uh, in 2000. Um, I mean, I think the thing that remember about Kobe is that every team, every team that played against him, every fan base, like – was in awe of what he could do, but also almost hated him in like this way you hate other sports teams, right? You were just like, you just didn't, you, you just, he just killed teams. He, he beat any, almost every team he had a signature moment against. But I mean, at the end of the day, when this all happened, when he retired too, you still remember those as kind of in a fond light, even if it did beat your team like the Pacers 2000. It's just, it's horrible to see a guy go this young. I mean, I, I'm horrible. You know, when uh, Marina told me the news, I just went, no, man, that's the first thing I said. I mean, you just, you don't expect a guy to happen at 41 years old this to happen to him. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I hope uh, all the best for the surviving members of the Bryant family too. That yeah. That's be awful for them. Um, so we're going to try to kind of transition now to our normal podcast. Cause um, 
the end of the day, sometimes, you know, things like this sports are kind of an escape to get away from um, kind of terrible events, tragedies and, and, and whatnot. This is um, the intersection of tragedy and sports. And it's hard to use sports as a distraction when that is the instance, but we will do our best. Yes. So I guess, like we said earlier, if you want to, I'm sure there's plenty of Kobe content out there on all kinds of websites. You can read about them, you know, all the different podcasts. I'm sure there's plenty of stuff, um, but we're going to do kind of a Pacer podcast. because That's what we are here to do. That's what you guys expect when you come to listen to us. So um, we're probably going to just take a quick, you know, five, 10 second transition, and then we'll get to the, get to the podcast. All right, Tony. So the Pacers had uh I would say a pretty good week. Uh, you know, but we were just we were going to podcast after the Trailblazers game, so that was probably their worst game of the week because it was the only time it wasn't a scheduled loss. But uh, between McDermott, Sabonis, and I mean, I don't know, it just felt like and just a nice signature week for the Pacers to get kind of rolling as they uh, head towards the last game of the Trail Depot. I uh, I feel good that I you know I, I was laughing before the Jazz game in my head because I thought okay either the Pacers win and Adams gonna look like the genius for being the guy who's like oh they always beat the Jazz. Or the Jazz are going to win, and I'm going to look like the genius for being like, oh, this is a scheduled loss. And, of course, you agreed with all that scheduled stuff, too. But, yeah, that game, that was unfair. That was just not fair. No, I mean, that was just <laughs> And the like... other three games, when the Pacers had their legs under them and could think and plan, uh, they played pretty well. I mean, the Damian Lillard obviously caused them to not win one of those games when they uh, had a plan, but they also were banged up for that game. But, I mean, they looked great in Phoenix, and – uh, they had some defensive lapses in Golden State, but their offense really carried them. I mean, they, they, they overall had a, a really, if you include the Denver game, which we talked about last week, but overall, I mean, hard to not consider three and two on this road trip a win. Yeah, I, I think going into the, the, especially because of the caliber of teams they played, right? Um, I guess really it's only two playoff teams left, right? I mean, if the five may Portland will be one, but I, I think going three and two is what you expected, right? You expect to get the two wins against the Suns and uh, Golden State. And then if they've got one of the other three, two of the other three, it was going to be kind of, on top, especially it's hard to go into the West Coast approach, especially when you're down a guy when Brogdon went down Wednesday and then down Turner tonight. I mean, it's just it's not it's not easy for sure. So I think this comes out as a win, especially now they're what 30 and 17. Uh probably a better argument either by either you either you or I guessed before still the still a five seed after going three and two is big time. Yeah, would I'm before Vic returned, would you have guessed they were what are they? What's their win percentage? Like in the high fives, right? High fifties, low I can't remember high fifties, low sixties. Yeah, I would not have pinned them at this. No, remember what we said? We said their goal without Vic should be to go 500. 500. Uh, we said their goal right now that they should be, what, 24 and 23? Like, they, they blew that out of the water. Yeah. Um, we're going to do a whole second segment on Vic and some wards, and I have an interesting question for you I'm going to ask you during that segment. But, um, yeah, I mean. The, so, who do team, we talk about first here? Sabonis yeah. or McDermott? You know, Sabonis, tail end, triple doubles, McDermott's insane shooting. There's a lot of starting points for how they did so well. Well, we should say this, too. Um, the all-star reserves are picked on Thursday, so I think we should start yes. with Sabonis. Um, obviously, I assume he's going to be one. If he's not one, I would. Man, I it's, it's kind of, I talked about it Friday. I think he should be one, of course. Trey getting in for the wrench in it, though, right? Trey yeah, Trey Young hurts his case, right? Because coaches like to vote for winners, and now they have, you know, more well, winners I, to pick from. Yeah, I just mean, I'm not sure Trey was an all-star until he made it as one of the five. Right? Oh, I, do. I do. I mean, I think he probably was, but, like, there might have been a yeah, – I guess maybe probably hurts Brogdon's case even more. Although I think Brogdon kind of missed the boat with all the injuries by now. But um, Yeah, Brogdon's out. Yeah, but I think that Trey went hurts because it puts – him on the border, which I think before he was probably the 10 or 11 guy, and now he's probably 11, 12 guy, which is sure, sure, knows, right? I agree. It's I mean, be close. Do, do all the Celtics guys get in? Do both, both the uh, 
Yeah, right. Uh, Tatum's right there with them, and yeah, Brown, so maybe two. Middleton. Yeah. Uh, there was another one I thought of when I was talking by myself. I can't remember, but yeah, it's close. It's tough. But I think he's making a case, right? He had two triple doubles this week. Obviously, he had the one tonight against um, Portland with the 27. Yes, in the tail end of the trip, he was fantastic. Man. And then did he have a triple double with against Denver? Denver, Denver right? That was a lot of ones. So both started out this week, but both in this trip. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he, he looks, you know, he's starting. Should we I, shout out Chris Carey for correcting our triple double stat by reminding us that Vic had the one in the playoffs? He, I mean, well, okay, we're talking regular season, but still, I appreciate that. So here, here here's our defense. One, I when you said the, the triple double thing, I'm like, there's Vic definitely had one. I couldn't. You did say it. that. Two, it was 11:30 at night, and I was really freaking <laughs> tired when, by the time I'm out of that point. So like, I wasn't in the mood to be like, okay, I'm gonna search to this, but like, I I I knew Vic had got triple. I just couldn't remember what it was, and that's right, it was that playoff game when they destroyed the Cavs. In that last, you know, yeah, game that everybody had like ungodly amount of points. So, first four games of the road trip, Sabonis averaged 18, 11.5, and six per game. And then against, and then against Portland, he had 27, 14, and 11, which brings up all three of those sets. So, he probably ended up close to like 20, 12 and a half, and eight on this road. Like, he was just ridiculous. And some of that was, you know, Turner being out really helped him uh, be more involved in, in this game. He played almost the entire second half um, against the Blazers, but, like, he just tore apart. The Suns had no answers for him, and the Warriors were trying to send a little more at him, and he was dishing out some passes that game. Like, he just looked so good. Have, have you seen Sabonis' January stat line yet? Uh, no. 18.8, with 62% from the field yeah, on 12 shots, 12 and a half shots. I mean, that's... Well, the, the other guy, when we do McDermott next, we'll do uh, his shooting splits also freaking wild. But uh, it feels like he's... Um, this was the kind of the week where you'd be like, you know, we joked, we joked before, right, with, with Lillard. He always has that, that one, you know, all of a sudden by, like, late January, he goes on, like, the six-week run. And, like, usually it's just right after... The all-star teams are picked. It's kind of as like a big F you to never not pick him most of the time. <laughs> but this, this this might be some bonus kind of like, hey, I should be an all-star making my last case with a week to go kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He Yeah, he's just been on a ridiculous tear. Yeah, like your January stat. That's good. I mean, even if you go back, you had 23 in the – or excuse me, he had 15 in the game right before New Year's. Like you could get quite the stats if you use that for infl- 15 and 16 game. You could use that for some inflation there too. But, yeah, he's just been ridiculous. And – the passing is crazy because I think teams are – so some of this to me is I, – I took some screenshots against Denver specifically, but, like, teams are kind of adjusting to the Pacers a little more where they're sending a little more help into the lane when Sabonis is rolling to try to – you know, it's called tagging the roller um, – to try to shut down these pick and rolls a little more. And he's been great at, like, finding the shooter or to being patient to get the ball to the next guy. Uh, without turning it over or forcing up some crappy yeah, shots. still a little high in turnovers, just a little, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, and that's going to happen when teams are just throwing everybody at that's you. True. That's true. That's for true. a big man to be able to be that patient and smart is very impressive. Well, well that's, I think that's what makes him kind of – that's what makes him lose the broad then and when all the turns kind of lethal, right, is if you throw the double team at one of those two guys, then you have Sabonis four and three, and he's going to find a way to get a, either a bucket because he's going to have one-on-one or he's going to find a guy in a corner, right? But then – so then if they flip that and double-team him on the roll, then you've got one-on-ones for all these great offensive players on the outside. I mean, it's what sort of becomes the linchpin of this team's offense, right? Right. Yeah, it's, it's – it, I don't know how you contain it as another team. Like, no big man can keep up with his speed-passing combo, just none. No, I mean, I, well, I keep wanting keep to do it. But like Maybe Gobert. Gobert had an insane – When, when Vic returns, again, this is something that, like, wasn't there last year when he was yeah. there. I mean, Sabonis was getting there. Sabonis had been making kind of strides toward this. Yeah, can you, can you imagine this 
passing level of Sabonis during Vic's double team series against the Cavs. I know. I mean, well, we talked about it. that was sort of the antidote to sur- when they went down two one, right? That was kind of the thing that helped them survive. Well, they, well, yeah, when they survived that game six, basically, was the Sabonis became also this great passer, and it kind of became the counter to that for a little bit. They obviously figured it out still because they had LeBron James that series, but yeah. Yeah, it, he, he's been ridiculous. Can I, can I ask you the question you don't want to answer that's going to be the worst question you hear probably this whole podcast? Oh, God, yes. Did the Pacers now, if we spend the All-Star game, did we can officially say they won the trade? Two All-Stars for one? <sighs> Fine, sure. I think we, they did. And, I, think I'd be, I think honestly they did, right? I mean, that's... Yeah. yeah. Well, right, Especially if they can lock up Vic for more years, right? To get well, like... To get it like seven plus years of all star play from two different guys. Is- yeah, I mean, and I think the, the what you could say too is think about it. The the Thunder are in rebuild mode, and granted, they have Chris Paul and Shea, but like I'm always would rather have and a thousand eight. picks. <laughs> yeah, but would you? But like you probably would you rather have Sabonis and Oladipo as your core? Because I don't, I'm, I might take that. I mean, that's two all star level players. I'm sure, they love. Young. I know they definitely love to have Sabonis. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if you're rebuild level once Vic but I mean he's clearly very good no but you're not you have to rebuild right if, if they just didn't yeah and that's trade, they get rid of some Russell maybe that's the whatever but it's a lot of I'm just saying I, I don't what ifs yes it's fun to speculate yeah, I just they, think, they, yeah he if they get two all-stars I mean that's crazy what are what are I mean I thought this trade was I gave him like a b minus or a c plus right like two young guys is clearly good but I was like these two I mean, really no fit I mean I, I I'm think an idiot tweet, I think the tweet when they eventually retire Vic's number someday is even the Pacer forever, let's say, will be the <laughs> the thing that the Oklahoma City police tweet that was yeah. like like theft know, legal or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Something about don't worry, we were investigating the theft by the Oklahoma City Thunder of the Indiana Pacers. And it's like, well, you know what, good 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 luck being in the, the me- mediocrity while the Pacers are trying to fight for a top three seed for you. <laughs> yeah, know, they didn't even win a series with that team. Uh, speaking of former Thunder players, Adam, Doug McDermott also had. Oh yeah. He's been on a lot of teams. So that's out there. (laughs) He has. Yeah. Uh, so he finished, I believe 22 for 33 from deep in these five games. Get that man in the three point contest. I really want him in the three point contest. I don't know if he'll get it or not. I don't know how they decide who does it, but like if they're, they're inviting Luca, who's like in the thirties, right? It's clearly not merit based, but well, some of it is you want some names, right? Yeah, Yeah, of course. Uh, but Doug's been just scorching this year. But, but you would think without Clay and Steph, there's a lot of room now for guys to step up. That's true. Yeah, I mean, how, is he, how many guys are over 45.6%? And that was before he was 6 for 8 against Portland. So he's, he's even higher than that now. He might be at 46% now. What, is the, what actually is the three-point field goal percentage like leader? He might now? be. Yeah, he might be close to the league leader, right? Yeah, let me look it up real fast. You, you <laughs> keep going. Yes, I can. Um, I mean, that kind of stuff, you know, we always talk about how good the Pacers bench is. Uh, that That's kind of why, right? Like – they just they show up against first of all against Denver right they barely squeak out a win because McDermott is just on fire and then against Portland they lose but like they Dame had fifty and C, Dame and CJ had forty two points from deep like they should have gotten killed in that game McDermott keeps him in and Golden State and Phoenix they didn't need him to be shooting and he was doing all sorts of other good stuff uh, to answer your question Adam he is third um, okay I was gonna say he's third. But I believe the guys have had him have much less attempts, right? Well, so Reddick has more attempts. No, Reddick has more, but George Hill has less. Yeah, George Hill has less. So he's he's for his attempts for for percentage is pretty high, right? He I mean, four guys pretty- above above forty five percent. He is one of them. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they he was just so important near literally every game, just supplying that space and keeping that bench unit moving. And then as some injuries evolved, you know, with Brogdon, then they had to change lineups a little bit. He even played a little more with starters, and you know that obviously is very helpful. Uh, he he was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he's been – I mean, I think he's been the biggest revelation from this team all season. I mean, I, I don't know if we can talk about who's been their best bench player, but I think he's been their most consistent. 
so far this year. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. It hasn't felt like he's had the ups and like you know he called him Road McDermott last year. Like he yeah. hasn't had that kind of ups and downs this year. No, I mean, he, I I don't know if it's just simply that he just. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, it may just shooting better is simply the end over everything. But like last year, I felt like he was okay, but was just kind of an average player. Provided enough spacing worth playing. But like, you know. You're not that, a fan of his. No, he made $7 million because you get a better player through a little, little more versatility. From right. Him. This year, though, it's like, oh, he's a bargain. I mean, he's a – I mean, Yeah. There's a, remember this summer when David offered that first-round pick in the locked-on mock draft, and I said, see, not not to you, but like in general, like people, yeah. like, look, like – other teams want McDermott because my thing about thing. Him always, and now he's doing it and showing like why other teams would want to do. But my thing always was about is that he's better from afar than he is up close. Like when you yeah. when you see him, like it's kind of like oh man, you know when you know the one time McDermott maybe goes five or seven against the Jazz, they they want him right. They don't actually watch him day in day out and see him go right. one of four every for four out of five nights. <laughs> miss three go this year that doesn't happen. No, this year doesn't happen. I mean, even when he has a bad night, he still puts up ten points because he finds a way to score elsewhere. Right? Like he just. I, it, I don't know if it's it's the coaching, if it's just like whatever it is. They're, they've been basically telling me, if you can't hit your three tonight, whatever, and it's going right, just go to the rim and get a foul and make those, just get easy points. Because, like, I feel like I looked at his stat line and I'm like, oh, he had 10 points, probably an okay night. But he went like 2 of 11 one night. But, like, you wouldn't feel right. that from the way he plays because he just, he just keeps, I don't know, he just, it feels like he's just much more consistently able to put up 10 points a night than he was last year, at least, where he just like, it was one game of 15 and then one of two. And it's just much more level this year. Yeah. Yeah, is there any other player you want to highlight from this road trip? You know, Warren was insane in Golden State. Yeah, I mean, I think that's worth talking about. He had, he, he said so many of these. He said so many games. He's the only guy with multiple over thirty point games. He's had so many weeks where we're like, well, I guess we have to talk about T.J. Warren again. <laughs> he's he's to me. He's I'm out like, of stuff to say though. We've done this exact segment so many times. We're just like, oh, it's so nice to have this multi level scorer who always is shooting a good percent. It's like, well, there it goes again. Yeah, to me, he basically is the exact same player he was in Phoenix, but for a team that's now winning. I mean, he yeah, better a little, a little better defense. Dude, but. They're putting him. They just. I know Brogdon was out, I, but they, they looked at the, they yeah. looked at the whole roster today and said, you know what, TJ Warren, you go guard Dame, and uh, maybe against the fifty point Damian Lillard, it's not the greatest game to highlight, but he was on D'Angelo Russell last game. Like they are picking him as the guy to like go guard the stars when Brogdon so, out. Like that is crazy. So I. I think in this in the NBA we forget how hard it is and how valuable it is to have just a six eight dude who can who's a really good player. Yeah, I, you know I, he's probably not even the top fifty in the league, but it's hard to find six like these good small forwards, right? It's hard. I mean, you know, there's the best five and there's like just a drop off. I think if we did the list, you could just find, like after Butler or George, you just find this like gap basically from the next the next best small forward in the league and like. You know what the Pacers were throwing out? What Bojan there last year? Maybe you could say on defensive end you were playing a little Thad Young at one point, and big go back to that like CJ Miles before then. Like it's just like it's like it's just so good to have a guy who they seem to figure out who can just be like he's not the best defender, but can is a body that can do something. And then on the offensive end is toe to toe with some of the best offensive players at times. You know, yeah, and can just destroy the bad teams. I mean. Every night, you don't have to worry about it. They play a bad team, they're going to win the game because Warren will have 25. He'll just do it. I mean, right. you know, the Suns on, on Wednesday night, I mean, he, he it's why they're 30 and 17 because they beat every team they should, mainly except for maybe the Hawks at one time. Ugh. And there's another and the game. The early, yeah, yeah. early in the year. But, I mean. So, uh, before, I, before I say more Warren things, an update from uh, our lovely friend Mark Monty. Uh, yeah. After McDermott's game tonight, he passed J.J. Redick by a one-hundredth of a percent. Oh, nice. Good for so him. He's in second. And, and George Hill is not taking very many attempts. He's about no. like 
probably now 70 attempts lower than McDermott. So Doug's got Doug's got quite the case. Uh, yeah, I've said this before with Warren, but it just it's so settling to me. Like I can't believe I just use the opposite of unsettling like that. It's so settling to me that especially on a team with McMillan who like encourages shots, not like if you're open, take it. That he's the kind of guy that his mid range is as efficient as most guys' threes, right? Like you're totally okay with him taking whatever shot, you know, an off the dribble one legged baseline floater. Go ahead, you're going to hit fifty percent or more. Yeah, he's a fifty-two, fifty-one point three percent shooter from ten to sixteen feet. Yeah, go ahead, take it. I don't care. Like I, he's the only player. Well, I guess a lamb a little bit, but like he's the only player on the team. I'm like, go ahead, great, put it up. Something crazy. He's seventy-four percent from zero to three feet. I mean, he's that's insane a, at the rim. He's just, he's just good, man. He's just so good. Asabonis his best day. He's not even 74%. No, not good. even close. And like, like I think about Warren too. Like you watch him go around the rim. One, I bet of that 74% if he missed one of those, then he got the rebound and put it back in. Yeah. I mean, that's, I wonder what he actually is like, you know, when he, when he tries to get a ball at the rim at what is actually like scoring or points per time, he, you know, you know, what's there. crazier about that 74.1%. That's not even his career best. I mean, it's, I, you know, it, it feels weird too, especially especially in a league where like you really value either zero to you know three foot shots or threes. That you somehow because Warren is maybe not this like high volume off the point shooter, but he's a high volume zero to three foot shooter. That like they over, somehow undervalued that in a way. I don't know. Yeah. It's like like he's got. I mean, and maybe teams did value him and they just didn't know they get him for free. And the Pacers just were just the ones that called and said, "Hey, can we get him by chance?" And they were just that's what happened. But I mean, it just seems insane. This guy went for nothing. And I get it. It really didn't go for nothing because they wanted the cap space that became valuable to get other guys. And I get that. So you really, it's a Rubio for Warren trade ultimately, but still, I mean, this guy is having, I mean, he's having a career year. And when you put him with a good team, it's what you thought could happen, right? Is he just yep. becomes a competent, really good player that can win games all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. He's, it's ridiculous. He's just, he's just been so good. All right. I don't, have, I don't have any other player I want to, uh, yeah, I don't I know if I have any. Like everybody was, you know, Lamb was struggling after the Denver game. There was, you know, after that 0 for 7 in Denver, but he, he had a nice week, you know, didn't have any. I think he shot over 50% every game. Yeah, we don't, I don't necessarily talk about him that much, but I did think McConnell stepped in nicely for. He did. In, in, yeah, okay. You know. uh, Lamb, not good in Phoenix, great everywhere else. Um, yeah, McConnell did a great job with Brogdon out. Yeah, I mean, he did the best he could. You know, I think he had eight assists tonight, or on Sunday night, he had, uh, what, eight? No turnovers. Against- eight assists, no turnovers against Portland. Yeah, and then he had, what, 11? 11 assists to one against Phoenix. Like, yeah. You're yeah, I mean, he just – yeah, he's making – I mean, well, I don't know if we'll do this. this. We'll probably do this later in this week, in the week when we do some more shows. But at some point, he's making a real case that he should be, like, the backup point guard. And I think yeah. he, he might have won it. I don't know how they're going to figure out this rotation, to be honest. But luckily, you know, Brogdon's hurt right now. We don't know he's going to return. So, not luckily, but, like, every, every time you look up, a guard in the Patriots hurt somehow, some way. Yeah. Um, I guess, do we have any updates on Brogdon real fast before we do a quick break? It's a concussion. Um, okay, I saw the stid- I saw he had a couple of stitches above his eye. Well, that. what I was going to say is the concussion protocol is kind of hard to read for, for us as outsiders because it's not like the NFL where they have, like, steps that are time constraints. They just have yeah. to do the steps. So it can be two – like Kelly Oubre, who the Pacers just played, only missed two games. But, like, Miles Turner had his a couple of years ago. He missed, like, two weeks. And Al Horford had one that made him miss three weeks. So – you just kind of never know, but I will say it seems like um, that the fact that he's going through these shoot-arounds and looks coherent and with it, like I'm not a doctor, of course, but it seems like he could go uh, at some point this week. Yeah, I, only two I think he, he did, when they did the Kobe tribute for the game, he did speak up for the team, so I wonder, I mean, I don't know if that means anything, but. Well, that, I think shoot-arounds the big one to me that yeah. he just, you know, if he can, if he can be, like, I know it's a giant difference between playing in a loud game, but like being able to move and 
do motions that don't just completely yeah. throw you off and like your depth perception isn't totally screwed like that's good yeah and by the next time they play it'll be it'll have been a week and it will be the return of victor Oladipo. so maybe and that chicago game is the lowest pressure game for every other player on the roster so <laughs> true um, we'll take <laughs> one quick break and then we're going to talk a ton about vic and do some mid-season awards Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Tony, I teased it in our first segment, but I got one kind of big question for you about Vic's return. You ready? Oh, boy. What is it? All right. Do you think this Pacer team is the second best team in the East when Vic returns? Wow. That is a big question. Um, okay, hold, on, hold on, hold on. If not two, then what? Where do you rank them? And you can tie them with other teams. That's fair. If you think they're in a group, but whatever. But do you think the second best team? I want to see it before I call it, which is not what you're asking me to do. Um, they're I right in that tier, you know. Speculate. I know they're right in that tier, right? Like, like Toronto's really good. Siakam playing and. We've seen Miami destroy this Pacers – or well, destroy once and barely beat once this Pacers team. And the Celtics are really good when they're healthy. And the Sixers have fought through every injury under the sun this year, but they're really good when they're healthy. So, like, all those teams are really good, but the Pacers have played those teams well and been as good as them both in the standings and matched up head-to-head. Like, does Vic push them higher? Absolutely. Does he push them – Above those, does a recovering Victor Oladipo push them immediately way above those teams? I don't know. It's uh, it's very close. Yeah, so here's the thing I, I will say. And this it applies to all the teams that are in that kind of top six tier. But this team finally has the playoff experience where that won't be an issue, right? I mean, they played two years in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really, right, it's been four straight years. But two years of this iteration of a team. They got Broaden, who's been in multiple big playoff games back-to-back years now. So, that, you know, I think a concern of mine in the past would have been, well, they're fresh, they're young, you know, this is the team that's not going to step in a big moment. But it feels like that if it's going to be a time when they find something, playoffs, it's going to be the third year of having made the playoffs and stuff like that. So that's the first thing where I think kind of puts them on the same tier. You know, Toronto and Boston have been in conference finals. I understand, but at least they've they just have played playoff games. They played big games, especially a couple years ago. So, like, there's nothing but the moment maybe is not going to be too big for them at the time. Um, the other thing I will say is that this team with Vic matches up, I think, against most of these teams pretty well and has kind of, like, to counter most of these teams, right? So we go to the Celtics, right? Well, they have the center that the don't have, and that's the counter that can help them. And they have the guards to kind of match up to the forward strength of them, of the of the Celtics, right? I think that's fair to say. Yeah, that, the big man's where they just dominate that matchup. Right, and and so, and then Philly, right? They lose the big man matchup, but like, from what I from I remember the in the past, they have the speed, and when you put Vic and you put... That's out of Ben. You, yeah, and you put in beating that pick and roll with Vic, and it's just like, it just it kills him every time, it feels like. Um, and then with the Vic's heat, got that same burst. Yeah, with the Heat, then you've got one more more star than the Heat. Or the Heat really have, I would say, Bam and 
Butler and Butler's kind of been iffy this year, to be honest, in terms of like top level star. He's been great, you know, getting the line, but he's not, has these great, not great stat lines and Bam's kind of a becoming star, but they have, let's call it two and a half stars where everyone puts a bonus. Right. And maybe we don't, you know, on that level, I'm kind of barred on that one. And then with Toronto, it's, that's the question, but that's the one where I see the least matchup advantage. But again, they, I feel like they match up well because they have a good center and they have good guards and that kind of works. I don't know. It just seems like this team's going to match up well. So a lot of these teams that can go. Right. They, don't, they don't have the big holes like last year where Darren Collison, it just gets you smoked by whoever. No. And the, the, the starting lineup too, the biggest, the biggest hole is either whether it's miles Turner scoring. Right. And I think I can trust him to make, hopefully 40% from three in a series or TJ Warren. Not even uh, one of three is fine in the slowed down yeah. playoffs. Yeah. And, and, and then it's TJ Warren. Is he going to be like too ball hoggy? But I don't I haven't seen that this year from him. I think, you know, if right. he sees Vic Rowan, he's just going to kind of clean, clean up Vic's messes basically is what I see him doing. You know, as Vic misses a layup occasionally, he'll come in, pick up the rebound and put it back in. It just, and then, then the bench unit, I mean, you would, they don't, I mean, just this team is much more complete than they've been in the past. And that's, and I'm not sure you can say about the other East teams, right? The other East teams each have a little flaw. Like, does the Simmons and the B team work together? The Celtics don't have a center. The Heat, I don't know the Heat's flaws. I guess they're, they're pretty good up and down. <laughs> I might be the one team. but they- I, Yeah, that's that's the thing. The, the, the Sixers have a bad bench, but, like, the Celtics, I know their centers are bad, but the Celtics, Raptors, and Heat are all just, like, they have a bunch of solid dudes, man, and they just keep beating teams because of that. Like that's why they were able to survive their own injuries. So, yeah, it's gonna. I I want to say that you know we've seen them the Pacers be as high as fourth this year, and obviously Vic elevates them. It's just I don't know a version of him is they're gonna get to know for sure how much I think he'll help them go up. Is it weird that I I think by the end of February we'll see like a pretty high level Vic? Like I wouldn't be surprised. You know, to to me. I guess it's a weird way to compare this, but like, remember when Kyrie tore his ACL a couple of years ago and missed about almost all the year, then came back and had that great playoff run with the Cavs? Yeah. I mean, that's what I almost think could happen. I mean, I, I don't know whether, I mean, because he's a little older than Kyrie is, obviously, and that happened, but I just wonder if. Well, he tore, didn't he get hurt in college? Well, Kyrie got hurt a couple of times in his career, but I'm talking yeah. about the year he tore his, he tore his ACL. He tore his ACL, he tore maybe one of the ligaments in the first year that the Cavs were together. And then he came back the next year, missed all the way till like February, came back, and then he hit that big three in the playoff game against the Warriors. That was that year. Oh, yeah. He got hurt that year, really? He got hurt the year before. The, in the oh, okay, okay. Remember? You're right. Was, he got hurt in the first game of the NBA Finals in 20, let's say 15, and then he came back in 16. Whatever. Yes. That, that's what I mean. It, it just feels like – I don't know. I just feel like – I remember he, now. I think you. Yeah, I remember now. I, I, I just don't – I don't know. I don't feel like this is going to be a limiting factor for him, but maybe I'm being – Yeah, good. we'll see. I don't know. It's hard to I, – I just don't know. Right? Like, Tony – like I've said before, we don't have a good limits test. Like, Tony Parker was too old and – Man, the Thunder – what's going on with Andre Roberson? Like, he's kind of a guy we thought we could compare, and he still isn't back. It's been over two years, so – yeah, we don't I really think, have a good litmus test for. Victor. I think part of it too is, I mean, I, I guess maybe nowadays I'm too optimistic, but like I feel like with the way we have technology and the way we just our medical um, procedure work is that like almost any can come from any injury, especially after Paul just snapped his leg. Right. What he did, like pretty much, we can fix everything now. So my kind of thought, right? And that's what it feels like. We're at a point where we have enough money and enough will, we can basically solve any injury. Yeah, I mean, forgot uh, you introduced the midseason awards. Yeah, the one thing I was say, I forgot to say, Michael Porter Jr. might have jelly donuts in his spine. He might still end up having a tenure. <laughs> um, yeah, let's let's yeah. let's do some midseason awards. Um, what do you want to start though with this? Do we want to knock it out like every NBA award? So do so we didn't really discuss this very well. Do we want to do just Pacer related? Or do we want to do like we did not plan this very well. No, we did not plan this very well at all. Um, I think we should say who we think the NBA is currently, in our opinion, and then we'll say who the you know. 
the, the Pacers, Pacers person is. Okay. Yeah, it's the right way. I like that. All right, NBA MVP, easy for me. I hope it's easy for you as well. Yes, Giannis into the Yes, Giannis onto the Kumpo, obviously. Bucks are I'm ridiculous. He's ridiculous. You don't want better than last year somehow. Like that's crazy. You don't want to pick James Harden. You sure? Well, as much as I like Harden and think he's really good, one, it's just not. I don't know. It's just Giannis is better. Giannis was better last year, and Giannis is better than he was last year. Two. Harden just got hurt uh, and might miss some time. If he's out yeah. for like, like even missing twelve games for Harden, even if he's insane, like that's it. He can't win, you know. Yeah, what, so. let's just do some Harden. This doesn't matter. Harden's stat line is thirty six seven and six, and Giannis is Giannis is thirty thirteen and six. So in total combined, it's probably pretty close. Uh, Giannis is actually playing like a ton less minutes than Harden. I think Harden's yeah, at, like, they just 30. destroy everybody. Harden's at thirty-seven a game. Giannis is at thirty. Here's another thing: if the Bucks win seventy games, they get he gets it. It's over, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think right in, in LA, you say that LeBron and AD cancel each other out. So yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Pacers MVP. You know, it's a oh. bonus, right? Yeah, I, I, but if Brogdon had played, what if Brogdon had missed? What does he miss now? Fourteen. If he had missed six, I think that this would be a very interesting discussion. Yeah, I guess here's the question, too. Right now, it's probably Sabonis, but right. could it be Brogdon by the end of the year? Brogdon ends up coming back from this concussion and plays the next At the end of November, I would have said Brogdon easily. Right. If Brogdon Even in December, you know, but it, it's all injuries keeping him out of it. Brogdon has played 33 games of the Pacers, what, 47 now? Yes. If he plays the last, let's say, 30 of the last 32, it's a 63. Is that enough if he has the – let's say he has a slightly better stat line because he gets more assists. Let's say 17, 9, and 4, but his shooting splits are up to, like – 47 and 38 because he's playing with better players all of a sudden you know what i mean yeah he's got a shot he definitely like his his defense has been ridiculous his clutch play has been ridiculous right that was a big factor in russ winning his mvp yeah Yeah, he's he he really does have a good case uh but yeah it's a bonus availability matters a lot yeah the other one i will say and i i think warren gets closest because of the games played not missing any game in the all 47 but I think Sabonis, you look at he's playing 34 minutes game versus Warren's playing 32. And you do the total minutes, he's actually not that far behind Warren. He's about 13 minutes behind. So I think that's where it wow. Right? If Sabonis had missed, had played more like 1,400 minutes and Warren had played more like 1,500 minutes, I might be like, well, Warren has just been the consistent player. He's putting up stat lines still. He might kind of be the guy. But I think yeah, the one for sure. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do you want to do next? Let's do sixth man of the year since you love this. Sixth game. man. Ooh, this one's actually kind of hard. And maybe not. Um, so see. NBA wise, I don't really know. I'm picking Lou Williams. NBA sixth man of the year. I assume Lou Williams had a good year. I don't really know. Well, Devonte Graham had a great shot before the Hornets moved him to the starting lineup. Yeah, yeah, how does that? How does that work? Is, there, is there a qualification that can't start more than how many games? I don't know. Uh, I think it's under half. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure. That's actually pretty hard. I mean, you could go with Montrez again too. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he's the seventh man, right? No. Well, he's been. Well, wouldn't Derrick Rose be the one right now? Derrick Rose is a great pick. All right. I, man, I, I don't know any. I don't really know any sixth man candidates. Dennis Schroeder is a good one. Uh, I know he's been absolutely killing. I feel like it had to be Rose. Rose has only started seven games. He's averaging eighteen and six a game, or nineteen, almost nineteen and six. Look at Schroeder's stats. I think Rose is the answer. He's had something like. 13 20 point games in a row but Schroeder definitely should be in the running here i think okay i mean i think it's one of those two and um, yeah yes. i mean the thing is does rose and i'm starting enough games i don't really know what happens yeah, actually, reggie jackson's back so probably not rose has better stats than Schroeder, though yeah he's been good he's been good yeah. rose um for the pacers is a lot harder yeah who would who who okay let's 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 do this first 
Um, I think the top two, in my opinion, right now are McConnell and McDermott, right? Yeah, McDermott was for sure in my top two. Uh, I was decide. I was thinking about a bunch of other. I was actually, honestly, thinking about everybody. Uh, yeah, I think mine are those two guys as well. I don't want to rule out like Justin Holiday is really close for me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I might actually put Holiday in there uh, over McDermott. So my only thing about Justin Holiday is I don't know if he has um, the like. Numbers. Holiday gets like plays closes some games with the starters and. Yeah, but so is McDermott lately too. Yeah, man, that's this is so hard. To me, it's McDermott. I mean, I think this week solidified it, but man, the dude is wow. I think mine's McConnell. Okay. No, any point guard play is just so important to me, and be able to have that. uh, No matter what, basically, to have three guys on your bench shooting forty-one percent or higher from three—that's insane. Yeah, man, their bench shooting has been ridiculous. Hey, you know who's setting them up with some great passes? The bonus. Oh, I was going to say McConnell, but yes. Oh, that's a bonus too. I would say it's a bonus. Yes, you are also right about that. That's funny. At least wasn't not passing the ball. He said he was some perfect screen assists. Yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I, I just go with McConnell, just the way he elevates that unit. Not that Aaron Holiday hasn't played well at point guard, but, I mean, we know what their their differences and skills are. So, yeah, But, I, I, I mean, you could – I don't think that Aaron has a case, but the other three bench guys, like, you could tell me. And I'd be like, yeah, totally. I, I think that's that, that's fair. Um. All right, most improved player. Wow. Whew. Okay, Devontae Graham, I return to him now, uh, is my real NBA pick. He's been awesome. So can Luca win it, you think? No. You don't Second think he can? Uh, another one, Brandon Ingram's been really good this year. You don't think Luca can win most improved player? I mean, he did go from like 20 points a game to 28 points a game, didn't he? Yeah, Luca's insane, but he should have been in, he was insane last year and just didn't play as much. Okay, I mean that's fair. I mean, but I think if we're looking at stat, that's that's a pretty improved. Ingram's stat. been nuts. Ingram's going to be an all-star after being not super awesome for the Lakers last year, and then Graham went from like a three point four points a game player to very good starter. So, yeah, I mean, I think it is Ingram if I had to pick one. Yeah, Ingram might be above Graham. You might have a good might I, have a good case there. I mean, he's having Ingram's having like he's insanely good. I mean, I'm maybe not MVP type year, but like he making discussion to be like a top ten MVP candidate. He's been good enough that like Ingram Zion is like that. You're done. You did the whole core already. Good job, Pelicans. It took you twenty something games. You did it. Yeah, if Zion can stay healthy, that's a big, big thing. Yeah. Again, I don't, think, I, I don't know why he wouldn't. No, I mean the way the science is today, they can basically fix any injury possible. <laughs> I mean, they rebuild. Uh, most improved on the Pacers is hard too, though. Um, I don't think it's as hard as you think it is. Is it Brogdon to you? I think so. I think so too. Just showing new, like not that Sabonis is is not improved and Justin Holiday is not improved. Uh, we can Warren with the defense is very clearly improved. Like you could argue a lot of guys. Yeah, I think Brogdon is my answer though, just because he's showing not refined skills, but like new, improved. Like I'm playing totally different and still amazing skills. Yeah, I mean he basically took his style from last year, added two points, added. Four assists, and on yeah. top of that, has become a clutch player and um, kind of the like leader of this team at this point. Yes, yeah, he has, I mean, there's a reason he got traded or whatever it was. They didn't, they didn't resign him in, in market. They didn't think he could do this, and he proved him wrong for sure. Right, uh, coach of the year. Uh, I, we're we're getting, getting cute for the Pacers. Obviously, it's McMillan. If we're doing head coach, if we're including assistant Stan Burke has a great shout yeah here. I, I picked Dan there who's yours for the NBA though I'm interested to hear the you. NBA yeah um Nick Nurse keeping the Raptors amazing well I've, after losing Kawhi is a great one uh, McMillan honestly is probably in this discussion so uh, I've I've got two 
former Pacer coaches as, as kind of Carlisle's got to be one of them, right? And I, I know Vogel probably won't win it, but I think he's worth discussing how Vogel kind of they not the guy necessarily they wanted. He stepped into this team. I guess he's super talented, but like to navigate, like remember LeBron got David Blatt fired within this many games when he, you know, right. like just to navigate <laughs> that and make and really make it work. I mean, the kind of players they have in that roster, I think they're certainly better players than they were last year, but like Dwight Howard has killed every team known to mankind. He's not killing this team for once. I mean, Vogel deserves some credit for what's going on there. Right. Maybe not a lot. Maybe certainly the players are more, but I don't know. But I think I think Carlisle has got to be in the running for sure, right? He does. Yeah, the Mavs are really good. I mean, I think the problem here is it's just like it feels like right now they're all the good coaches have good players for what's ever pop, basically, right? There is a lot of good coach of the year candidates this well, year. That's I, why I, like, that's yeah. why I like Nurse so much. Well, like I think Doc's a really good coach this year. Yes. I mean, but like you know, he's always been a good coach, a terrible GM, but really good coach. Um, Here's a sneaky one for you. Uh, Taylor Jenkins. The Grizzlies are good. Yeah, no, that's – that's. I mean, to be where they're at, yeah, as an eight seed. I mean, you could even make the case for Billy Donovan, to be honest. In fact, that team was 28-19. Guys, who would have thought that? Let's let's pick an easy one out here. Rookie of the year for the Pacers, Adam. Uh, Goga or Brian Bowen? <laughs> <laughs> Brian Bowen. We love Brian Bowen here. Uh, it's Goga. That was easy. And in the NBA, it's also very easy. Yeah, it's Joe right now. No offense to anyone else, but uh, yeah, it's Moran. Although, if Zion plays the next 35 games the way he's played the first two, I don't know. I missed a real case. Yeah, I think if I if Morant's like uh, like Giannis to me. Like, if Morant stays above 70 games, it's his. Uh, yeah. But Zion, man, I mean. He's insane. The guy isn't really in shape yet because he had his knee. He wasn't hurt, so he hasn't really gotten in shape yet. But, and he's still put up like 22 and 8 or 10 a game. I mean, like, yeah, I think he had 22 and 10 tonight. He's just awesome. Defensive player of the year, our last one. I'm going to defer to you in this one. I don't – I mean – For the NBA or for the Pacers? No, for the NBA. I don't – I mean, I'm trying to think. Oh, Rudy, done, easy. Right? You think it's Rudy? Who, yeah. is, who else will even be in the – Same guys that you usually talk about. Giannis, amazing defensive perimeter. Like – Why doesn't play enough games anymore to qualify for anything, right? Who? Why doesn't play enough games to qualify right. for anything? Right. He's not trying as much on D this year, too. Um, ben Simmons, insanely good defender this Bam. year. He'll, hey, Bam. Uh, Bam also in here. Anthony Davis also in here. You know a lot okay. of the usual suspects, but Rudy's just ridiculous. Like it, it's insane. Yeah, that's fair. For the we all saw like Brogdon beat him on a drive, and Rudy just took this one step drop recovery and just swatted his shit off the backboard. I was like, damn, <laughs> damn. Um, for for the Pacers, this might be his tougher one. Yeah, I thought it was. You know, intuitively, I just gravitate to Miles for most defensive things. I want to give shouts to other guys, of course. I'm I'm picking Miles Wordsworth. Um, would you I, think about Justin Holiday at all? I did. I was gonna, he was in my shouts category. Okay, uh, he's in out. my shouts category. Uh, he has done you know for a 180 pound guy like he's surprisingly hard to back down, and he's clearly a great perimeter defender. He had that six steal game recently. Uh, and then Brogdon, of course, they put him on the best guy a lot of the time. He's really good. But as yeah. much as we pick, we've picked on Miles this year. Everybody uh, in Pacers were like. Montrez bullies him and beat Drummond and all. It's like the way you know. I think we saw this against Portland just now. So obviously, like the the Blazers just shredded them in the pick and roll the whole game because they had no one to cover on the weak side. They were too slow. Their drop coverage was out of whack a little. Like they just need Miles in those instances, and he just makes everything so much easier for everybody on D. And he, you know, I think it's him. Yeah, I mean, he's the best defensive player by far. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that was fun. Yeah. Uh, do we have any other awards? Is it like, should we do like man of the year or like, uh, isn't that it? And then all, I think it was the NFL is the Walter Payton man of the year. Do we have any? Oh, any Brogdon other? done. Okay. Um, good discussion. We think of any other else. I don't know. 
Uh, can I give Jeremy Lamb the unintentionally funny award? Yeah, that's fair. I think Jeremy Lamb is hilarious. Uh, cutest kid award goes to Justin Holiday, probably. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Uh, we could do superlatives at the end of the year. Yeah, <laughs> at the end of the year. Um, I guess one question real fast. Do you think Warren or Sabonis finishes with the most points at the end of the season? The Total team? points scored or per game? Well, that, let's go per game, I guess. Actually, wait. Yeah, Warren if it's total. Yeah. Per game scoring at the end of the year. Because I'm not going to count Vic. He didn't play enough games. So, so, you know what I'm going to say is I think Vic Vic's return will hurt Warren scoring more than Sabonis's. So, I will pick Sabonis. Okay. And I'm not going to count Vic because Vic's only going to play 30 something games. I don't think that counts to right. points per game. Right. Um, All right, let's. Speaking of Vic, uh, yeah, you let's do preview it. the two teams he plays. Yeah, so one quick break, and then we'll do. Uh, it should be an easy week for the Pacers. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat, led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So are you a longtime listener of the Locked On Pacers podcast? Um, Tony, I, I know you're a longtime listener of the Locked On Podcast Network. <laughs> I am a longtime listener of the Locked On Podcast Network and Locked On Pacers. Uh, and as I pleaded with you guys last week, and Adam did as well, and we want to do it together this time, uh, you know, ads are a thing in the show. We make money, uh, but we like local things better, including the Pacers, and we want local Indiana businesses to uh, reach passionate Pacers fans on this show. Yeah, I think you know we we love doing this podcast. Uh, it, we would we're going to keep doing this podcast for sure, but it, it certainly isn't a free endeavor. We can't keep doing this for free all the time. We do enjoy the little bit of income we make make from it. And um, this podcast is a great way if you're trying to reach kind of a predominantly male audience, uh, well-educated, disposable income, just um, kind of all these Lockdown podcasts are too. And because we've got a Colts podcast too, Lockdown Colts, it's a great way to kind of get some synergy across all yeah. the you got, you know, a lot of, lot of local Pacer, Indiana-related podcasts time of year. So you can you can do, you know, football their football year, go right into basketball and basketball time of year and so on and so on. Uh, you text the word advertiser, advertiser that to 33777 <laughs> or visit lockdownpodcast.com locked advertising. Uh, you can let us know who you are and we'll be our team of advertising people to get right to you to help you achieve your success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. Now back to our podcast. All right, Tony. So we got, we got an easy week, two games. Not, not Very two. easy. I'm happy how easy it is to preview the week. And they've already played both of them. Yeah, perfect. So they played play the Bulls twice this year, beating them 108-95 and beating them to that 116-105. Uh, the Bulls are not a very good basketball team. They are um, I no. would say one of the worst five, six teams in the league. Uh, Adam, I don't know if you saw it. Uh, the Kings and Bulls just played. Okay. And uh, the, the, the Bulls had the ball, and Thad Young set an off-ball screen on Corey Joseph, and the, and the Kings ended up switching. 
And so Zach Levine starts in isolation with about 11 seconds left on the shot clock right after that happens. So for about 10 seconds, uh, Corey Joseph and Thad Young are just hugging each other under the basket watching Zach Levine ISO. It was a nice <laughs> pacer moment. Um, we should mention Markkanen, uh Just got hurt on Friday. Yeah. Yeah, the tough one. Oof. Um, Between Wendell and him and Daniel Gafford. And uh, the the front court, yeah, and Porter, the Bulls front court, which was already inexperienced, and not very good, is just gone. Like Fad's gonna play a ton of minutes. Yes, um, I think I was last game up real fast. Let's see what he, how many minutes he played. He ended up playing thirty five minutes last game. Yep, they need all they can get from him. They're playing Cristiano Felicio a ton of minutes now. Like right. he he's not good at basketball. He's just not. Luke Cornett plays a ton, so. Levine is obviously the thing for them, right? Like we saw in the Sabonisless game that we saw in Chicago that, you know, obviously both defense was bad, but like Levine had 43, uh, Kobe White had 23 and has never shot that well. And then no one else could do anything. So especially with the limited front court, and we know as much as we love that here, his offense is not very good. Like the Bulls are just going to struggle to score. Yeah, the Bulls ranked 27th in offensive rating and 9th in defense rating. But uh, frankly, we beat around the bush, let's be real. Um, the real news <laughs> of this game is that Victor Oladipo makes it return 300 and what? We're going 72 days later, right? It's a week. Oh, we got a finally here. 370 days later, the uh, the Pacers shining star returns. Well, it's, I think we, we didn't intentionally do this, but talking about the front court bang-ups for the Bulls is, is interesting because, like, who's going to stop him at the rim? Nobody. Like, yeah. And so, Vic knows how to finish over Thad. He did it in practice for years. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be very fun team to see him against think, like levine, levine is a terrible defender like do you think that will be nice to him when he goes dressed <laughs> hurt, right? him a text before the game and say hey like don't help this game this or no I, I mean just don't don't clock me at the rim because i'm coming back like let's be careful. <laughs> not doing my career now Come on dude um yeah levine well it's, i guess the bulls are kind of intriguing because levine is a horrible defender and kobe white's a rookie he's a horrible defender but, like, they have okay defensive guards between, like, Dunn and Sadoransky and stuff. So, I don't know how they're going to defend Vic. Like, are they going to act like he's the Vic of old? Or are they going to put their good defenders on Brogdon if he's back? I don't know what they're going to do. But none of them are so good that I think they're going to totally limit him. And I'm curious how the Pacers game plan to get Vic involved is. It's going to be very interesting. So, do you – let's say Barnes doesn't, doesn't play. Do you think McConnell starts next to Vic? Ooh. Uh, no, I think they'll opt for shooting, right? I think we saw that – well, Turner's going to play probably, though. Yeah, I think Turner will be If back. Turner plays, McConnell starts because we just saw this against the Blazers, right? They they went with McConnell and then Jakar with Turner, and they just had no shooting, and it, it killed them. Yeah, with uh, it, they, so they went with Aaron Holiday in the second half. But, yeah, if Turner's back, they can probably – I think they'll go McConnell all of you. Or does, do we, we see the point Vic we've been dying for for two and a half point years? Point Vic. Yeah, that would be sick. Um, Man. Uh, but I, I think Brogdon and Turner will be back. I think. I don't know that. So it's going to be crazy when the injury report comes out and Vic's not on it. Yes. Yeah, so how many minutes do you think Vic plays? 20? 20 to 25. Yeah. Do you think we see if the game's close, he gets kind of hot, like a Zion kind of case where they said to roll him out there? Some they even took Zion out after that, though. You know? Yeah, but they kept trying to a little before that, but he just kept making right. threes. Like, Man, that, oh, my gosh. That was so fun. That was, uh, that was the best moment of the, the week. He, he, I know we're off topic, but he is a riot. And uh, the Pelicans are in Indy February 8th. People uh, have to go on. Oh, you're going to – are you going to be able to go to the game? Or you have to go I'm going to try to go, and then I'm going to go to real New Orleans during the All-Star break, which will be cool. Oh, you are? 
I am, yes. Uh, anyway, Victor Oladipo's game. Yeah, I think 20 to 25 minutes, right? Lamb will probably still play his normal workload, and then we'll just see decreased minutes for um, McConnell or Aaron if Bragdon's healthy. But Yeah, I hope Bragdon plays. We can finally see what the rotation is going to be like. Right, right. I agree. Um, that's what I think. But we'll see. Like, there's a chance. You know, I bet he gets a, a shorter stint early just to, to get his win under him. And then if they're just killing him, you know, he won't play as much in the second half. But if it's a close game, I bet we'll see close to 25. Yeah, is it fair to say that's my X factor for the game? I think that's mine. That's what? That's my X factor for the game. Is Vic? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you have anything else? Because if well, if he fits in chemistry-wise right away, like it's over, they win. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, he gets a I think he gets kind of an easier start. Well, the boring thing about the Bulls, especially with Markin and out, is like the butcher discussion is stupid. What are we doing? It's Levine. Like who? Who cares? Yeah. Like no one. But Kobe even, White was amazing, but like he's never shooting like that. You know, he just isn't. He's shooting under forty percent this season. It doesn't matter. He could score. He scored thirty a game and his team would still lose by fifteen. <laughs> exactly. Levine is the only guy you worry about at all, and I feel bad that he's not going to be an all star because the Bulls are just garbage. But he just can't do it. He's just trying to do too much alone. Well, he, they're also garbage because he is not like he's not a very inclusive player. Let's put he's it. He's flawed, way. even though he's amazing. Yeah, I mean, he just. It it seems like he would fit really well against like as like a third or fourth guy. Like I always did like as the Warriors fourth guy. That's what makes sense for him. But like in this role, if he happen. shoots, if he shoots his season average from deep against the the Pacers last time these guys played, and the Pacers won this game by double digits, the he scores nine less points. Like the Pacers win by twenty. If that happens. That's how bad the Bulls were in that game. Yeah, it's, is that he shot an absurdly good percentage, dropped forty three, and they still couldn't even keep it within ten. Yeah, I mean, it's him. That's it. It's just we we say all this, and they're probably going to beat them now. So let's <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I kind of doubt it, but we'll see. Yeah, I doubt it. I think the Bulls are just terrible. Uh, Pacers win What's handily your... by fifteen. So uh, enough where you might not even see Vic in the fourth quarter, right? Yes, I think that's. Oh, a... uh, another little fun, stupid tidbit thing. I think it's awesome that they're playing uh, the Bulls, who Vic has that banked-in game-winning three against, and yeah. Knicks this week, who. Vic had that game winning, not yeah, game winning. You play the uh, Nuggets with him. That's what they needed to when he had that. Fight. Yeah, the Nuggets or the Spurs. He yeah. had that dagger three against uh, the Knicks last year on Halloween, actually, when Thad saved it to him. So, two teams he's had awesome clutch plays against. I, I think, though, for me, the moment I realized Vic was a, like an all star was when he scored 47 in the Nuggets. 47. So, yeah. That was when I was like, oh, this guy's like maybe one of the best 20 players in the league. Not just yeah, like good, but like really, really, really good. Man, and like to carry it over the next year, like against the Celtics, I'm so excited to watch them. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. I'm I'm. This has been. I mean, I've liked to watch the Pacers so far, but it's been boring compared to what we're about to see. <laughs> it's not um, been boring. Well, it's. It would, I just his clutch play just brings like another level of these games because just like he just pulls up and hits over dudes. Like it's not just like Brogdon who hits some like. Brogdon's so emotionless when he wins games that it's like kind of not as fun. I don't know how to put it. You know what I mean? Like Brogdon like dunked over a dude in the. Sixers game and just walked to the other end of the court. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I love Brogdon. Don't get me wrong, but, like, Vic, like, hits that shot and does the little pump thing. And, it, I don't know, it's just more it's just more energy to it, if you feel me on that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you want to talk some Knicks, who also yeah, are terrible? Yeah, this is good. Actually, I – okay. You look at their – okay, their offensive rating is 28th. Their defensive rating is 27th. That sucks. I understand that they're horrible. I want to, I want to just say a small thing. They – we're four and eighteen with Fizdale. That sucks. With Mike Miller, they're interim. They're eight and sixteen. That's not. That's not so bad, right? But is that a coach thing, or is that just the fact that they just played probably an easier schedule? <laughs> I don't actually know what their okay. schedule can is. I, can, I, can I tell you their wins? Let me give you their eight wins for you. 
Golden okay. State. Bad. Sa- uh, Sacramento. Eh, Atlanta. Pretty bad. Brooklyn, but I believe it was the pre-Kyrie Brooklyn. Um, Washington. Atlanta. Washington. Okay. Portland, who Pitch lost too. So. Hey, Miami. There's you. You got one good win and, in there. And then Cleveland. Cleveland. So, <laughs> I, and their, their previous wins were probably just as bad. They were Cleveland. Dallas, good. I mean, Dallas twice. That's right. And then they beat Chicago. So they have like winning one third of your games is like basically the Pistons this year. It's yeah. like Pistons, Wizards, Hornets. That's what they do under Mike Miller. That's not. That's like they're still bad, but they're not. They're not. They're not the slouches uh, that they were under Fizdale. Although the big thing for them right now is uh, R.J. Barrett is out. Yes, that is they're not the slouches, but they're nothing to be scared of, especially at home. No, they're no. Not. Yes, especially at home. That's another thing. And I always, I always wonder, like that game's February first, right? Like, will they still have Marcus Morris on their team? That's a good, very good point. <laughs> he's their best. He's been their best scorer this year. You know, who knows? Uh, but without RJ, and maybe he'll be back. Uh, they said he'd be reevaluated in a week, two days ago. So there's a chance he plays. That might be the last game he misses. Uh, but without him, they they have a little less punch on the perimeter too. And he hasn't been awesome. He's actually missed quite a lot of shots this year. But he's a rookie. He looks okay in other moments. And, um, they just they just don't have a ton of great creators for others. They have a lot of good self creators, and I think they actually have some quality young guys. Like Alfred Payton has been their setup guy, and everyone else has not been awesome at it. So, yeah, my butch is going to be Julius Randall. I think I think he has really, I I just think Julius Randall is bad. I mean, I think he'll have a twenty point game. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> what that means. I mean, you're right. Somebody they're just sure. they're just so bizarre, right? Like. Like Mitchell Robinson is good, but he's not your butcher. You're never gonna pick Mitchell Robinson as your butcher, you know? Nope. You're never gonna do that. Maybe Marcus Morris, I guess. So but but Mark Mook, I guess, if I thought Marcus Morris was gonna like be setting himself up with some nice moves for these shots, like yeah, maybe, but a lot of them is I don't know. He's like gets set up a lot. Also, credit to Marcus Morris. Remember when we were talking about the best three point shooters. Uh he's one of the four guys above forty five percent. He's been money from deep this year. Yeah, this feels kind of fake to me, but I don't know. He's a good player. Marcus Morris is a good player. Clearly the better Morai twin. But yeah. not, the, the, this, if we were, haven't done it yet, I haven't. Uh, this is my bench game. I don't know if you're going oh, to call God damn it, screw you, man. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I don't know if you're also going to do that. But especially without RJ, it's just like. Oh, it's I have a different reason than you. So it's fine. Oh, they just have nothing going on with that second unit. Like they're all maybe going to be good players, but they're all just young and inexperienced. So I just. There's nothing to worry about with the Knicks. So I think this could be the first like lamb-led bench game because I'm, I'm. Oh not, shoot! I didn't even think about right, that. Brogdon's fifty fifty to play. Let's say Wednesday. I, I think by Friday he probably will. Um, so it could wow. be. Wow, uh, this game is Saturday, is it not? Is it Saturday? Oh, you're right. It is Saturday, Saturday the first. So I think Brogdon definitely will play. Yeah, I agree. So um, this will be the first time we see what that's like, and I don't. I mean, oh man, no, we'll see it against the Bulls unless Brian gets played. What's I'm saying? That's a great I'm, point. I'm, that's going to be awesome. I'm saying we'll probably for sure see it this time. Right, right. So, uh, and I'm just excited to see what it is. But I think Lamb, he's been up and down. That's right. He's been also hurt a bunch. I just every little thing gets him, and you know, I don't know if it's just bad luck or whatnot because he's always been healthy before this. Um, but I think where he has the ability to sort of be the focal point we might see some more success out of him, right? Where he gets to have the ball. Yeah. And when he's guarded by Wayne Ellington, instead of a starter. Exactly. And I, I think, you know, to me, right this year, I have been kind of like, eh, he's fine. I mean, I'm just kind of waiting for him to go to the bench basically, but I think on the bench, he can be awesome and um, really provide kind of another 
kind of level for that bench unit, especially you still have some bonus out there with those guys. And then you've got them running pick and rolls. And then you've got, you know, McDermott in the corner. Maybe you have one of the other hollies over there. And you just, you just kind of, I mean, I think I'm glad we made it to, to Vic's return with Lamb not going to the bench because I got so sick with you and everybody else, the discussion of like, oh, Lamb's ball stop and ways doesn't fit with this group. It's like, I don't care. I just think it's fine with the starter. We're done. He'll be way better with the bench anyway. Who cares? I mean, I think we both have the same thing. We're just kind of waiting for the bench. I don't need, you know, I didn't need. I'm so glad we made it through that phase of the season. That was the worst. Yeah, I mean, he clearly is a really good player. He just felt like out of place, which is fine. That's not not what he signed up for to begin with anyways. He knew what his role was when he signed up. And so it's fine. I am really glad that like, like he's not going to care about that, you know? Like, I know the other big rotation shift, whatever it may be, like, someone could get a little mad that they lose a ton of minutes. But at least Lamb knows, like, yeah, right. Vic's better than me. Yeah, I don't think I've cared. Didn't he come off the bench in, in uh, New He started for a lot of the year in Charlotte and then got benched for – who was it? I can't even remember. Uh, Dwayne Bacon. So, yes. Yeah. And he didn't start very much the year before that. He started 18 games only. No. So. He's really never been a starter in his career, actually, to be honest, no. this year. So, yeah, I think he'll be fine. I think we good. I think I think you know when he's your sixth man, then you're like, oh, that's when your team gets serious. Yes, uh, I think they win both games this week, Adam. I agree. I think they end up 32 and 17. With um, we'll do this later, but a really really big week coming up after that. Four big. Yes, four a lot big. of home games coming up before the All Star break, but they could uh, put a nice dent in the lead on in front of them. Yeah, they can knock. They play Toronto twice in two weeks, so that's gonna yep. be huge. Where they're playing yep. a team back to back again after playing one like last week the same way, so. Yes. Weird scheduling. Bad scheduling. Very weird. Bad scheduling. Just bad. (laughs) Very bad. Just bad NBA. Just bad. Um, All right. Um, Anything else, Tony, before we head out? No, I'm okay. Um, I think it's going to be very fun to see Victor Oladipo play basketball again. I agree with you. I know we went a little long on this podcast. I'm not even sure how long we went, but I felt felt like we probably went at least an hour. So uh, if you're still here, then sticking sticking with us. As always, you can follow our podcast at Locked on Pacers. You can follow Tony at T East NBA. You can follow me at FreeMadam5. As always, we bring you five podcasts a week. It might be a special five this week. So uh, listen for that on our on our Twitter feed. You might tweet something out about it. who is doing what podcast and what we're doing. So uh, it's always Locked on Pacers podcast. As always, we'll see you guys again tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.